Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Gear QA podcast. Bradley says, is changing simple stuff out like tuning machines considered as modding in your opinion? Sure, of course. Modifying? Sure, of course. Adding push-pulls, mini toggle pickups, etc. At what point is it modding or just making it more functional? Well, now you're playing semantics on, you know, modifying, repairing, you know what I mean? I mean, I we use the term, I use the term repair when sometimes something's not being repaired. If somebody says, what are you doing? I go, I'm repairing a strat. What are you doing? I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm updating his potentiometers to borns. It's like, you know, I sometimes I won't say modding, I'll say repairing when I definitely mean modifying. Um, so, uh, yeah, but to me, I think it's more of a, it's just a slang term that we slap on things, you know, modding, modifying things. I mean, it doesn't have to be specific. Um, there's definitely a a degree of how difficult the modifications get. You know what I mean? There's a big difference between, hey, I'm modifying this guitar. I'm changing out the the, uh, the tuning keys. Or, hey, I'm modding this guitar. I'm routing out the I'm, you know hardtail off. I'm routing out and I'm putting in a, a tremolo system. I mean, that's a more uh, elaborate modification. So, uh, it, you know, that's the thing. So I would say all of it's modifying, even though. So um, I just like what I what I did on the channel, what I, what I started doing, which I didn't do on purpose. I didn't see it coming. I would put out videos like how to do this or how to do that. And then the, some of the simplest videos became, I'm going to say viral, you know, where they got, you know, big enough views to get most of the audience in that's in now. What it was, was I leaned into that as soon as I saw success from it. I saw all of a sudden the comments and the comments were like, wow, Phil, this is really cool. I never knew I could just change these out without really any tools. And then that really made me think like, oh yeah, you know, I never thought about that. I guess a lot of people need a starting point. And where do you start? And how do you make somebody feel comfortable to start? And so I would say that they're all modifications, but there's definitely like easy modifications and then more intricate, more difficult mods. Which is where I think it's going. I think there's a lot of channels out there doing some more intricate mods than I've ever done on my channel. And I love it. Talking to those channels, hanging out with those channels, what I've learned is they seem a little, I don't say they're frustrated, but they're like a little frustrated with the fact that, you know, like, oh, I can't get the views that, you know, I got in this video. And and they thought it was, they, they took it personal. And I told them, I said, no, it's not personal. You gotta understand. There's how many people are looking for what you're doing. Everyone's looking for a quick, easy fix that anyone can do. I mean, that's an easy thing to to execute on. You know, not everybody's ready for the, hey, we're today we're going to strip off the paint and refinish this guitar and add a new veneer. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a different person altogether. And you got to get them there. And that's how it works. You got to baby step them, baby step them in them in there. And that's one thing that I, I really kind of really kind of focused on with the channel, which is how do I create the first step for everybody I can? Because that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to get everybody to go, OK, I'll start this. When I did the uh, how to block your Floyd Rose video, that video, I the entire intent of that video was I was really kind of sick of people paying me to do that. <laughs> See, I laugh, that awkward laugh, like because <laughs> I'm thinking how dumb it is to say that. But it was true. The reality is, is this. I want to make a living working on people's guitars. Here is where repair, guitar repair is slightly different, different than some repair. Not all techs charge a rate based on difficulty they charge a rate based on hourly time so whether you're changing strings or you're soldering something or you're resetting a neck it's the same the time is paid the same hourly wage even though the difficulty has gone up extremely some of the times i like i told you guys i don't really want to spend my time and i definitely don't want to spend my customers money with the okay 75 bucks an hour let's start there and then oh and you want to restring well that takes me 30 minutes so and i round up to the nearest hour so that's 75 bucks you can't do that to people it's not right i'd rather just them do it. 
because <laughs> like I said, you know what I mean? Deep down, I don't want to do that anyways. Same thing with the channel. I would, a lot of my videos on how to's really were predicated on this, like, okay, where do people start? And what do I think would help them? You know, why are they spending 50 bucks to have somebody do this when they can just do it? Magic Man says, Phil, why don't you own an orange, especially uh, specifically a rocker verb? No particular reason. I've looked at rocker verbs used all the time. Uh, I mean, it was it's definitely an amp that's in my wheelhouse. In other words, I like the tone of it. I like that amp. You know, <laughs> that's it. Just going to find one one day. Look, I've played a few orange amps. I like their solid state stuff. I like a lot of the stuff they did. They do, I should say. I've told you guys this, many, this story many, many times over. They reached out to me a couple Christmases ago, probably in 2018 or somewhere like that. It was years ago. And it was right at Christmas and I was really busy and I didn't want them to send me product and then not put out a video in some kind of timely manner. So I said, hey, it's not a good time right now. Can we do it later? And um, then I never heard from them again. And I, I don't know if I've offended them or I've upset them or whatever. Uh, but I, that was my intent. My intent was to give them the best value I could for what they were doing. Um, if anything orange was ever sent to the channel, I would do a review of it. You guys are very interested in orange and I like orange. Um, but if I was to buy an orange right now, I would definitely buy the rocker verb. A lot of you guys have mentioned like, hey, have you thought about buying the orange cross? Are you buying this? Uh, none of that stuff I'm, I'm not going to buy for myself particularly, but I would really be interested in, in doing on the channel. And the reason I wouldn't buy it particularly is because I'm not in the need of any amps right now. So so a rocker verb isn't that I think the rocker verb is better than those amps. That's just an amp that's interesting and different enough from what I own to justify some kind of purchase so I could remember I got to justify just like you guys it doesn't take much you could get there in your head you just got to go well let's see um you know okay uh yeah that's why I need it but yeah the rock verb would be great that's a great amp I think a fr- uh I think I think a friend of mine I know for a fact it was a friend of mine said this but uh, when I was saying I like the Rob Chapman RD1 the BD1 by uh victory amps and i was explaining that i had that amp and i got rid of it and i did that in my regrets video what's interesting about that was uh my buddy who's an amp guy told me that basically that's just an orange amp they like they pretty much just copied the orange amp pretty much and he goes that's if you like it you'll really like the orange amp stuff and i was like that really got me thinking so maybe i'll have to revisit that i just want to go back to this michael because uh, i like learning about people and their jobs and stuff michael just said i do i do that in my job i charge 60 dollars an hour to repair your garage door but i will talk you through adjusting your beams or something simple rather than charge you to walk up and move it an inch exactly it's it's the plight of the repair person i have a lot of friends that are repair people by trade you know i have a good friend who's an air conditioning guy i have a good friend who's a plumber uh, i have a friend who's a mechanic uh my job's less dirty than everybody else's. I mean, it can be dirty, but it's less dirty. Not a lot of grease with guitars and stuff. You know, we can relate to each other. We all have the same problem. Uh, what's different about them is people need them. Like when you're air conditioning or plumbing, you know, your car don't work. Everybody's like, whatever it is, get it done. No one ever comes to me and goes, whatever it costs, just do it. Maybe every once in a while, but not really. Everybody's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not a need. But that being said, you're always at odds like, okay, I want to make the most money I, I can possibly make, but I also want to give the best value to the person. Not only so they come back, but also just because it's the right thing to do. So yeah, like Michael's saying, I find myself, I will try and help them as much as I can to not finally have to pay me. Unless, of course, I really believe either A, they don't want to do it at all, because there's sometimes there's just that. You know, and Michael, although you make a great point, I bet you could relate to this point too. I've had it to where I've pretty much given them in detail how easy it is. It's like, turn this and then it's all fixed. I don't need to do that. And they go, well, you just do it. And I go, well, yeah, but if I do it, I'm gonna charge you. You just turn it. 
<laughs> and at some point, sometimes I realize like, okay, they're never going to feel comfortable. So just do it. And then I charge them. So very rarely does it happen, but it's happened where you're just like, okay. Unfunkin' Believable says, dump truck drivers are paid by the hour. We are paid by the hour. This is a great question too. Again, I like this robot shlomo, slow-mo, slow-mo, slow-mo. Ro- robot shlomo says, would you stay away from buying a guitar with a headstock repair? And if you do, uh, what do you look for? Well, uh, headstock repairs, I, I do the same thing everybody else does. You know, if it's a lacquer or a Gibson style guitar, you can use a black light on that. That sometimes is very telling. You can just look for actually visible uh, damage. Um, there's actually with uh, Gibsons in particular, you don't even have to look for damage anymore. You just look for how they paint over it. They Sometimes they can hide that stuff. Um, that's that's the thing. Look, headstock repair for me is simple. No, do I stay away from them? Absolutely not. Um, two things I do I look at when I look at a guitar that has headstock repair. One, I look at how cheap I can get it. Sometimes that's the best deal, right? Absolutely. Sometimes you can walk into a deal that just and who cares? Who cares? There's a there's a local DJ in my area. His name's Neander Paul. He has a he's one of the guests, or he might be one of the members. I guess he's a guest member on the Johnny Bean Show. He's on the Johnny Bean Show. Uh, great guy, and uh, he bought a uh, Gibson with a broken headstock. And we were talking the day he did it. I didn't sell it to him, but we were, I was just there, and we were talking. And he, I agree with everything he said. We were talking about the fact that he's like, I'm going to play this guitar. Like my nice Gibson's going to stay at the home, and the one that had the headstock repair that's done really well. I'm going to use this and abuse this because this is a smoking deal. And I was like, yep, I agree 100% with that. So yeah, I think, yeah, if you get a headstock repair and it's done right, get it, play it, abuse it, who cares, right? Uh, you know how many guitar players have broken headstocks? Dimebag Daryl's guitars, was, uh, heads, I think most of those headstocks were broken off, or at least the, the important ones were. There's tons of those stories like that. So the only thing is about guitar headstock repairs, there's only two things I look for, uh, really, really. Uh, one, I look for how cheap can I get that guitar. Uh, and again, it's, I don't have to steal it, so per se, but it can't be anywhere near where no, non-broken headstock guitar is. Uh, it, you know, you have to have a deal. And then the second thing I look for is how well it was repaired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, because I've seen it all. You've seen it all. I mean, you know how many guitars are repaired with Gorilla Glue now? Uh, which is the worst. I mean, I don't know what Gorilla did. Gorilla, I guess, because it's just predominant in the section at Home Depot. But all of a sudden, like guitar, once Gorilla Glue, Gorilla Glue came out, it's like every time you just saw, all of a sudden, you just saw every headstock Gorilla Glue, <laughs> and that stuff just oozing out of the sides. And then somebody like sometimes it's just left there, and sometimes they take a some kind of blade and they scrape it off, and it's just oh, it's just horrific. Um, but no, so if the repair's done well uh, and uh, and the price is right, uh, no, who cares? Like I said, not everything's a collector's piece. I, I play my guitars, and they're all most most. I, I say I play my guitars. Some are collector's pieces, like my Ibanez Gym. It's a collector's piece. I pull it out. I do this thing that I absolutely hate. I hate myself. It's why my buddy Joe sold it to me because he said he hated himself for doing it too. I hate myself for doing this. I pull it out. I strum it. I play it. I look at it for a few minutes and I put it back in the case. I told myself I was never going to be that person ever in my life. And of course I found myself doing it and it's because it, 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 it's an emotional thing. It does something for me emotionally. I have a couple of collector's guitars that I think are interesting and cool. My Gibson R9 for that part is kind of this guitar. I strum it and uh, I do have a video I've, I'm working on for that. We'll see how that comes across. But, um, but, uh, but a lot of my guitars, man, they're abused. <laughs> I mean, abused. It doesn't come across in the videos and the cameras and stuff. You can't see. But if you see them in person, you'll see. Like, my SG has dents in it. My mirror is chipped and beat up everywhere. It's been refretted. Um, no, I, they're abused. I, I've 
No, I, I told you guys, anybody who's been a long-term viewer of this channel knows a couple things. My, think of this. My, my, my wife's biggest frustration forever was um, my guitars laying around everywhere. One of the things that happened on the, sh on the show over years was all of a sudden the wall became just nuts with all these guitars, you know, right? Now this is a close-up on the wall because I'm closer. But, but, you know, you guys are like, oh, there's so many good more guitars behind you. I'm like, no, they used to be just laying everywhere. And then my wife was like, screw this. And she's like, we're putting hangers everywhere. We have hangers everywhere in the house. She's like, stop leaning your guitars. I will, and to this day, I'll still do it. I still, I love her. And I, I really feel bad that I'm this way because <laughs> it, it, it's something she hates. I told you guys, I will stick them in the hampers, the clothes hampers. It's gross, right? In the dirty clothes. I'll stick a guitar in the dirty clothes because I'll be walking. I'll be like, oh, I got to put the ah, – it just goes in the dirty clothes. That's why I have the zither stands. I use them. I don't, they're not like furniture. They're just places where I can hang guitars. I try to do it that way. I will lean the guitar on the couch. Uh, and just leave it there and go into the room. It, it, like I said, I really don't, uh, don't treat my guitars the, you know, like I'm going to resell them. I play them. Uh, and then if I don't play them, then they go. And that's when you guys see when a guitar comes and goes, it's cause it wasn't getting played. Even if I loved it, it just wasn't going to play it. If I'm afraid to play it, which kind of like the gem, or if it's just something that I, you know, I don't, I don't want to buy guitars just to watch them go up and flip them that's not really what i'm after um we'll be right back you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping you feel me loading them up on it, it only takes structure and, and you know just paying attention to the climate of the game yeah know what i mean so do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You know I mean, yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, oh, yeah, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah, yeah. Damn, me, me, we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kai, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit right now. I got lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I got lie, don't play with it. Take that shit serious. I want to play. I want to play these things and love it and feel good to it about it. Um, you know, it's funny. That's not just a guitar thing. That's my personality by nature. We were having new flooring put in the house, and uh, you already know the story's going because half of you, if you've tried to do new flooring lately, that's just insane. <laughs> it's back ordered. It's crazy. So we went and we went and had the uh, the flooring quote done for the house and uh, for the bottom the bottom uh, stairs. And uh, my wife told me the quote, and I said, that's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Uh, it, like, it was stupid. And then she thought about it. And she's like, yeah, that's a lot of money. And she goes, do you want to do it? And I told her, I said, and it's funny, was, this is a mentality difference. Her mentality was like, you know, kind of like a budget logic. We have the money in the bank. Do we not have the money in the bank? Can we afford to do this? Can we not afford to do this? Very practical. My approach, way different. I said, can't do it. She's like, no, I think we can make it work. I think we got to, you know, I think if we do blah, blah, blah on this, blah, 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 we'll afford it. And I said, no, no. I said, I cannot have your nieces and nephews come over and drop something on the floor and freak out. I just can't be that person. That's not, I got, I, got, I can't do it. And I can't spend enough money on flooring to where I have to worry about what happens to the flooring. I just can't do that. I can't worry about if your dog nails, uh, the dog's nails are trimmed or I just don't want to be a slave to this flooring. Uh, this, this is not the life I want to be. So same thing with guitars. I, I, I want to not be afraid of them. So well, that's a long speech to tell you guys that. 
but I hopefully these things like you know some of you can relate some of you are like you know and some of you like nice things and will maintain them me I I just want to use stuff not worry about it uh, Rick says how do you value an immaculate condition 75 Strat that has locking tuners okay well it didn't come with them and the pickups have been changed out how do you how do you value it well I mean I'm not a vintage guitar buyer reseller by any means so i mean it's not i can't help you a whole lot what i can tell you of course is it doesn't matter how well the modifications have been done to the guitar and how good they are like for instance a vintage strat with like lindy Fraylin pickups and the best tuning keys that's not really going to help a 75 strat that's the irony of this this is why i tell you guys even though most of us are repairing squires and inexpensive guitars and moderately priced guitars you do want to treat guitars like they could be one day valuable in the idea if you're going to do modifications so you want to be able to reverse as many of those modifications as possible and that's why i tell you guys don't drill 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 holes in the headstocks and stuff like that you know i mean if you they make all these parts now so that we can change out things without doing heavy modifications um it it never helps a guitar the modifications never improve the value of the guitar it improves the value of your playing your sound it's for you but as soon as you try to sell that guitar off with modifications you're killing you're killing the sale of the guitar and that's if it's a new guitar a vintage guitar, it's even hurting it even more. The vintage guitars are valued by how how close to vintage correct they are, or vintage they are, original, right? The more original, the better. So the modifications hurt, hurt it. How much so? I have no idea. That I don't know. You have to do some research. But that's what I will tell you. The modifications hurt that 75. So, and the basic answer is this is, and as silly as this says to tell you, it's but it's the truth, uh, it's doesn't help it in any way. <laughs> it only hurts it. So uh, even if you love those mods, um, what I will tell you is, uh, again, preference. If you gave me a choice to buy a vintage 75 Strat, let's say I want to buy a 75 Strat, uh, and it could be exactly perfect, you know what I mean? Closet classic, you know, right? <laughs> something like that. Or something that had like locking tuners and new pickups in it and it's been decked out. I would rather take the discount and have something I can play. See, that ties into what I just told you about my mentality. So I actually like that idea. I like it when, uh, uh, what did uh, Joe Bonamassa and some Instagram years ago was talking about vintage guitars and collecting them. And he was talking about a guitar, I think, where they, uh, Telly, I think, where they routered, the, routed out the, the neck pickup for a humbucker and stuck a humbucker in there and modded the guitar in some degree, some, some kind of vintage uh, telly. And he was saying that it devalues the telly, but it makes it cool because he would never do that to the guitar if he had it pristine same thing i would never take a 75 strat or a 65 strat or any of these guitars and mod them up but if one was already modded and i could save some money getting it and i was going to play it it's great i'm totally for that if i was going to try to resell it i'd stay away from it because <laughs> meet me i because it's not you know it's not going to be easy it's, you're going to be dealing with the same person problem that this person's got it now is dealing with which is you know oh well you know this is original and this is not original and this has been modded and everybody likes, like I said, everybody likes to tell you like, oh, and this was done by so-and-so like that matters, but it doesn't. Um, so there you go. I got a super chat for $99.99, which is crazy. $100 super chat. I don't think I've ever, I think I got a $100 super chat like a couple years ago. That was crazy. Um, and the worst part is I can't even say the name. I'm going to say the last name is ba Beck. Uh, I don't know. Although, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to Google and try to figure out how to say that name this week. And then next week on the show, I'm going to say your name because for a huge super chat, that's you deserve that. But uh, I'll have, in fact, I'm going to screenshot it right now. 
Sometimes you get lucky. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Music Therapy Laz, what's up, buddy? I just watched your video today. Uh, it says, finally became a patron. Uh, what took me so long? Great meeting you, man. Phil's the coolest dude. Uh, you know what? That's really kind. He's really kind of ch- shifting the cool part. The cool part was uh, meeting uh, Music Therapy Laz. I got to hang out with him, uh, was it two weeks ago? Week before last. Uh, he made me a stand, uh, a wall a hanger that's made of leather. <laughs> hope you like leather and uh and uh i'm gonna show it to you guys uh it's just i haven't got there for you know it's stuff you know catching up on the stuff but uh anyways he was uh, nice enough i met him and we did a meetup and he uh, gave me a beautiful gift and it was nice hanging out with him and he bought me old, my old friedman guitar um i didn't sell it to him i already traded it off and uh i traded it and got a car amp c-a-r-r amp um because i got another friedman guitar that's how that goes and uh and, uh, and now he has it and he's the happy owner of that guitar. So it kind of works out. And, uh, thank you for becoming a patron as well. So, um, Meester says, saw Evertune guitars at punk rock bowling and music festival in Las Vegas. Lots of ferocious riffing. One was a uh, Les Paul. Yeah, I would imagine, like I said, I think we're getting closer and closer to having a, a uh, Evertune guitar on the channel. Like I said, when when I originally was talking to Evertune, I said, wouldn't it be great if we took one of my Les Pauls and did it? That, that didn't really co- work out. Nothing really worked out from that scenario. And it, they weren't difficult by any means. Just, um, you know, it, it's it's a perceptionary problem that you have to deal with when you have a YouTube channel. It's like, hey, look, I, I got to spend... It's, it's never about, for me, it's never about the, hey, I'm going to get you in front of 10,000 people. Although, you know, I mean, I guess that's a thing. I don't really look at it that way. I look at it like, hey, it takes me two days to film and edit. And this is what I make when I normally work. So when I'm not normally working, I want to make as much as I'm making when I'm working, when I'm YouTubing. Does that make sense? That's like the goal. <laughs> so so something to that uh, uh, to, to that effect. So I get it. They They don't really have the budget that makes sense. And I didn't really have like the the means to kind of like, okay, let's just take two days. Or, and I think in a, I think the Evertune video is going to end up being like a five or six day thing. In other words, it's not just filming for me. It's research, it's playing, it's learning how to use it. It's all that stuff. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm I, trust me. I'm very curious about the system and it comes up a lot on the show. I still like the idea of having one of my personal guitars done that way. I don't think that's ever going to work. It says, hey, Phil, uh, I want to play Rockabilly. I'm saving up for a Fender amp. My two choices are the Hot Rod Deluxe and the Hot Rod DeVille. Which one? I'd go Deluxe. That's my personal thing. The DeVille, man, the 212 is great, you know, or you can get the 410 DeVille. I've owned uh, all three of those at some point, and uh, I always ended up back to the Hot Rod Deluxe. The Hot Rod Deluxe is is just, it's more than enough, whether a Rockabilly band or not. I will tell you this, David, here's how it works. If you're not playing bigger venues or big venues, I wouldn't go with the extra speaker uh, in the or the extra speakers, depending on if you're going to 410 or 212. I don't know what the big advantage to that is going to be for you. If you're at home, for the most part, definitely the Hot Rod Deluxe is more than enough. The only exception to that, of course, is if you're looking at used or deals and you can find a Hot Rod DeVille for sometimes the same or less money, maybe just go for that. But you will have to carry that weight, man. It's heavier. The 410 is heavier than the 212 and the 212, of course, heavier than the 112. That seems obvious, but I just want to point that out just in case you don't know. Some people forget how heavy the 410s get. Those four small, all those slightly smaller magnets, there's four of them versus two. I like them all. Maybe I like the DeVille maybe more than the Hot Rod Deluxe for the 212. I don't really know. I know this. You could also take the Hot Rod Deluxe and plug it into a 212 cabinet. 
So if you ever need a 212, that is an option. You can do that. You unplug it from the bottom inside the cabinet. You just unplug when it's off. Unplug the internal speaker, plug in a 212 cabinet. It's good. It's eight ohms. Most likely it's eight ohms, or if it's 16 ohms, it'll still be fine. And you're good. So you you can make the 112 be a 212. Tim says, I got a raise today. Thought I would share. Gonna buy an amp soon. Quiet but dirty. Well, first, thank you for I got a raise today too, Tim, from you. <laughs> so so congratulations on your race. In fact, thank your boss for me. <laughs> say, hey, some random dude on YouTube said thank you. <laughs> or maybe say it better than that. Quiet but dirty. That's tough because that's so many amps. I mean, I don't, you didn't give me a budget. So it's, is it, you know, is it Blackstar? Is it an Ingle? Is it the Mesa? As I look at amps in front of me. I mean, if you're looking for, look, I still think some of the best values out there for the money are the EVH amps. They're really, really good deals out there. The LBX is a great sounding amp, whether you get the two channel or the boosted, you know, the, the original one that has dirty and more dirty, <laughs> right? Or the second one, third ones, they sound great. The Tremani, the MT-15 is a great amp that does clean very well and dirty. And again, all these amps, those amps are in the $700 and below. Once you hit $1,000, definitely like the 50 watt uh, EVHs, even though they've creeped up to 1200 bucks, you can still find them used for thousand, sub thousand. Another great amp, you can find it in the thousand dollar range. If you're looking at those, look at the Mesa Boogie uh, Recto Verb or the Recto, again, dirty and a clean amp. Very quiet. They can get quiet. The Recto is not as much as the EVHs. Those EVHs are really kind of great. And and the and so you really get a scope of this. I'm probably pushing the EVH a little harder right now. One, because it's you know he his the anniversary of his passing was this week, so he's back on our minds a little bit. You know, on my mind this little week, this bit. If you notice when I did the giveaway, I did on the day that day, it's because I wanted something positive out there. Um, I didn't want to be in that mode that day, so I actually pushed back the the giveaway video so that day so maybe put some good chi out there i have this seldano slo 30 and it's a fantastic amplifier and my buddy joe he's the reason i have that amp and if you don't know joe he he owns rat pack records check their records out i mean they have amazing artists like they have the band roxanne which is great they have george lynch and lynch mob the the thing about that amp is that amp, which is very expensive, really has taught me how to really appreciate the EVH amps, the Engel Fireball, the Engel Ironball, these amps in the $1,000 range. The SLO30 is a fantastic amp. It's everything you probably imagine, if you guys are familiar with Saldano, what Saldano would be, right? It's that, you know, hey, I have a Saldano, and you plug in. There's a moment for a lot of us, like, owning a Saldano is, like, a big deal. And when I plugged into it, I played it and, and spent some some hours with it at home. I was very impressed. I'm very happy. But at no point did I ever come to the conclusion of, wow, people are really missing out. Uh, if you have an EVH, if you have the Fireball, uh, the Ingle, I, I, I don't know. I would never say one's better than the others. I'm not trying to say that they're better than the Fire uh, Saldano or vice versa. What I'm saying is there's nothing that I, I played on the Saldano that made me go, you're missing out. So to answer your question, Tim, uh, I would look at those amps for, cause you're saying dirty, that makes, and they make great sounds. I re like I said, I've really, really honed in on how appreciating. I've been very pro Ingle, if you guys noticed lately. It, it really isn't cause, uh, you know, Ingle's been working with the channel. They've been working for the channel for a year or two. It's just really made me appreciate those price points when you see some of the more expensive stuff that's really good. Not really b blow you away, so to speak. Like I said, it's still fantastic. It's just, I don't feel like, wow, two and a half times the price. Um, and the EVH stuff as well, too. Um, we have Copperfield said, just because you're awesome and I love the show, have a drink on me. I will. I will have a drink on you. Not just water, too. I think I'm going to actually do a drink. I had a, uh, uh, a interesting drinking experience recently, 
And um, <laughs> so, so um, my wife, uh, like a lot of women, <laughs> I feel horrible saying what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it. Uh, she drinks some White Claws, right? So that's the, the White Claws like the thing, right? Uh, and they're good. Uh, they are good. I like them. They're seltzers. And um, they are uh, kind of like um, less calories, you know, kind of thing, right? That's the kind of thing. And um, so uh, so I, I uh, she gets a White Claws and I'll have a White Claw. And I've learned that uh, there's two flavors I like and I don't really like anything else. But that's not why the story's funny. A couple weeks ago, I went down to the fridge and there was these white claw surges there. They were called surge and they were blue. And I was like, oh, this is different than the white claw drink. And so I got out my phone and this is why this is funny. I get out my phone and I type in white claw surge because I'm like, I, I can't see on the box what's different. They're just blue. That's all. And it says, and what comes up that dominates what the description of what it is, what dominates it is the reviews and the reviews are very bad. And they all basically say, oh, it, it tastes horrible. It's like, tastes like cough syrup. And I was like, oh, so it's probably like just a really, you know, gross White Claw. Well, it's what was in the fridge. <laughs> so I opened it and I drank it. And um, I sit down and I drank the whole thing, right? I'm sitting there drinking it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it my legs were heavy. Like I was drunk. Like I was hammered off one. I was, and I don't want to exaggerate. I don't exaggerate. Like I could walk. I was fine. <laughs> okay. But let's just say I was feeling it. Um, and, uh, and then my, I drank another one cause I'm like, Oh, I'm, at this point I don't even care anymore. Right. So I'm drinking the other one and my wife comes around the corner and she's like, Oh, you got the white claw surges. And I, she goes, what do you think of them? And I go, and I go, well, it says on the internet, they, they taste worse, but I, I don't know. They taste like the same. She goes, no, no, it's twice the alcohol. <laughs> and I go, Oh, that would make sense. <laughs> All right. Twice the, uh, so I'm just, I feel like that was a public announcement for you. Any of you uh, that drink the white claw, just be aware that if you see uh, the blue one, it's, it's like literally twice the liquor, twice the alcohol content. So why does that connect? Oh, because I think that's what's in the fridge and drink now is surge. So I'm doing a surge. I also thought was, I was worried. I was thinking it was maybe it was caffeinated. I was like, Oh no, a caffeinated alcohol. That's not a good mix. <laughs> Joe says, hey, Phil, how much is too much to spend on a parts Telecaster? Oh, okay. I'm watching one on Reverb with boutique parts and claiming to be locally built. Parts guitars, in my opinion, the only real, real good justifiable reason to buy them is to benefit from what somebody's about to lose out on. It feels horrible saying that, but it's true, right? Like to me, when somebody goes, let me give you an example, because I don't know what you're looking at, but I'll give you an example that really, really hits home. Let's say somebody puts on reverb like parts caster, telly, USA, you know, Fender USA body with, let's say a Warmoth neck or even a Fender neck, a quality, you know, USA made neck, right? Warmoth, Fender, something like that. We're not talking about the affordable necks like Mighty Mites, which are fine, but we're talking about more expensive necks. And then it's like Lindy Freelands, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, best bridge. I'm trying to think of a bridge, you know, just uh, upgraded bridges, all expensive components, borns, potentiometers, you know, orange drop capacitor, travel bleed, uh, you know, uh, uh, ratio locking keys, all that stuff. That sounds great. I want to pay nothing. 
<laughs> that's, I mean, I'm not saying I don't want it. I just don't want to pay anything. I want to literally, what I want to be able to do is buy that guitar and then be able to go, yeah, for the same price of buying like a made in Mexico Telecaster, I got a Telecaster made with all the premium components down to the T. And I might even want to pay less than that. And I see people all the time, they try to price this stuff. Well, first, there's the crazy ones that price their stuff at like what they paid plus, you know, like I had it put together by so-and-so. So now I want 1800 bucks. And you're like, you're, you're an idiot. You're never going to get that. And if you do, you just probably took advantage of somebody who had no clue what was going on. Um, and then the next is the slightly less, <laughs> you know, $1,800 worth of parts, but you can have it for $1,690. you are like, nope, nope, that's not how it works either. It, it Pre-COVID rules, and that's what's tough about having a show where I talk about guitars every week and the world is just changing epically. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm trying to be relevant to the current market. Post-COVID market, half. Whatever it costs them, you're paying half of that. That's that's like not the that's not the goal. That's the minimum. Like they paid, like I if they had a legitimate thousand dollars in parts, you could pay five. Now you probably get 75% of that. So there you go. Um that would be my thing. And I know if you're looking at and here's why, because again, same thing. The value of it. Unfortunately, we don't value things by the accumulation of its of its cost of components. That's not how it works. You know, uh, this is one thing. If you don't learn anything watching YouTube, <laughs> all these channels, one thing you should learn from all these channels is that although no one really can justify why brands get to charge so much premium for their brand, it is a fact that a brand, a branded instrument gets a premium and everything else doesn't. And compart, you know, compartment parts of caster guitars are literally less than that. And to prove that, think about this. It's why almost every famous musician played a parts of caster guitar because they were broke, <laughs> right? They were broke, right? And they put together a parts of caster guitar. Now the secondary part, we haven't got the secondary part of your problem. Now you also have to believe everything they're saying. So, um, this is where it gets a little tricky, you know, what are you going to take apart the guitar and verify all the components that they're saying? You know what I mean? And so not only is it a parts guitar, not going to have the value that you want, which is why when you make parts guitars, I always say, be smart and part it out. <laughs> right. Think about this. I feel like I feel like I'm saying this a lot. I have a friend. I guess I have two friends. So I have a friend, and that's he live literally. As long as I've known him, 20 years, he makes his living parting out cars. Like he buys cars, right? He hasn't had a real job. I've never seen him have a real job. Real meaning like I don't know. He makes money, but you're a real like 401k job. Uh, literally, he's like in the. He's now he's on his phone. <laughs> I've known him so long that I used to remember him getting the paper. <laughs> Now it's on his phone and uh, he's like, he finds a car and he's like, Oh, $2,800. And he, he knows cause you know, he's versed in this. He'll go and buy it on the spot. Give the guy $2,500 cash. Literally that afternoon, he'll have made uh, $2,000 just parting out a few things to it. 
You know what I mean? Because he knows what he's looking for in these cars. So same thing with guitar parts. I've Now it's tough, but I've done that in the past. I'll be like, oh, I need a neck. Oh, I should find somebody who has a parts guitar. And then literally I'll go, yep, there's a neck I want. And the parts guitar is, no joke, is $50 less than the neck would cost me if I buy the neck. And now I have some Seymour Duncans and a body and a bridge to sell off. So if you put together a parts guitar and you're going to get rid of it, be smart. Uh, uh, sell it off in parts. And if you're going to buy a parts guitar, uh, realize that if they're not going to sell it off in parts, then they don't get the premium either and, and get the deal. So Joe, get a, get a deal is what I'm trying to say. Um, uh, uh, the Tone King, if you go on his Instagram, he just re- recently posted a guitar that got lacquer burned and it's a, it just sucks. But that guitar, uh, I was on the phone with him and it was at the beginning of COVID. I remember because... It wasn't, it was COVID and we weren't wearing masks yet, right? It was the beginning when they're like, don't wear a mask. That don't work. So I remember like I had to go to, uh, uh, I think it was an auto zone or somewhere. And I was on the phone with him and he was talking about that guitar and he bought that guitar for nothing. That was a USA select body with a neck and the parts. And he scored a deal. And I remember like he told me on the phone, he goes, what do you think? And I go, it's just put all together with parts. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, and he told me the price and it was, you could buy a Squire for what he paid for that guitar. So that's what you do. Buy that deal. Get that. Find the deal and do that. Otherwise, no. Thunder Falcon says, can you refuse to sell to someone on Reverb? Absolutely. Of course. You can block people on Reverb. You didn't know that? <laughs> of course. You can. Yeah, you can block re- uh, people on Reverb. Uh, you can uh, obviously not sell to them for any reason. You, you're, you're right of refusal as at any point in the transaction as well, too. Now, again, this isn't a license to be an asshole. Okay. Don't, <laughs> right? I don't, I just don't want to hear the comments later. Like Phil, you know, people like you, I'm like, whatever. Look, here's the deal. <laughs> okay. Um, I have done it. I, I'll tell you what I've done and why I've done it. Um, I try not to, uh, to be a difficult person to interact with on these platforms, uh, with, when it comes to buying and selling, uh, that is my goal is to make a pleasant experience from both parties, whether I'm buying or selling. However, that being said, sometimes people are flagging you and they're pinging you that they're crazy. Look, crazy is a thing. I don't care about difficult. Crazy. Difficult. I have a personality. I can smile. I can adjust. I can work with people. You can really push on me pretty hard and I can, I can just keep going, okay, whatever you need, let's do it. I, I know how to get stuff done. However, crazy? Oh, crazy is like... It's like, you know, what is it? It's like, it's like, it's like punching jello. You can't get around it. So when I start getting the vibe in a purchase that they're crazy, and I'll give you some examples of what would be crazy. Um, not, you know, like, like here's a good example of someone who's not, didn't intend to be difficult, but is you put on your uh, selling auction, which I do like, please ask all questions before purchase. Please make any requests before purchase. And then, of course, they buy it, and they're like, hey, it's sold. And then they're like, hey, could you ship it to my business instead of my home that's on file with Reverb? Look, I just go, yeah. I just, I, 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 I basically contact Reverb. You can contact Reverb, by the way. Let them know that they're asking to ship to a different address. They make notations of this. There's ways to protect yourself and still follow the rules and do stuff. Is it a pain? It's a little bit of pain, you know, right? That's not crazy. Crazy is like... I don't know. I don't have a good example of sex. I'm trying to think of somebody who's done something that flagged me is weird. Um, but they'll ask you, you know, I guess the best way to put it is they'll ask you weird questions after the purchase. And you're like, 
these questions feel weird. Like there's not only like they're going to do something fraudulent to you, just like you're about to go down a, a crazy road. At that point, sometimes, um, I don't think I've done it more than once, but at some point I probably did say like, hey, uh, I'm actually, um, you know, this item is no longer for sale. And then you just hit automatic refund and they'll say why. And you just kind of politely like, it's not you, it's me. It's like, hey, I don't feel comfortable with the way it looks and feels. I want it to be accurate with my description. You just give them a basic, you know, explanation of, you know, just tell them, tell them you, you want to, you know, you want to do the best you can to, to get them the product. And you don't feel like you can actually accomplish that in the cir- current circumstances. So yeah, absolutely. And if it's a pre-sale, in other words, they're trying to buy from you. Cause I've had people try to bully you into <laughs> bully you have you on reverb. It happens like way too much. Uh, somebody will say, Hey, we use, that's uh, a great, that's a great know your gear mug you got there for $8. Will you take six? And I'm like, no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm going to wait for the eight. And they're like, oh, come on. It's been two days. Come on, take six bucks. No, no, I think I'm good on the eight. I'm all right. It's like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> what if it's, what if I give you six bucks and, and I tell you how I'm really going to drink a lot of coffee out of it? Like after a while, you're like, okay, what is going on, man? Just chill the hell out. Um, you can, you can block that person if you want, but in most cases, I don't think you have to do anything extreme. You can, but the important part, Thunder Falcon, is you can refer refuse to sell anything on, on Reverb to anyone. Uh, uh, I'm sure, you know, especially in a, in a in a Reverb. What's nice about Reverb and internet forums is is that first of all, you have that right of refusal pretty much as a as a right given to you for most countries and most places, anyways. But in an environment where it's basically um, what do you call it? I don't want to say blindfold. What do you call it? Uh, it's an environment where basically you're not seeing them, not seeing you. There's no really other bias that you have to worry about. You know, it's not like they're going to go, Hey, they're not selling to me because I'm, I'm Irish or I'm this, you know what I mean? It's usually just be, it's just like, Hey, I don't want to sell it. So you have that right. In fact, I would almost sometimes recommend if you really feel like, um, and I, same advice I would give to my, to my friends. Uh, if you really feel like, you know, like you're about to ship it that day, you know, right. You got it all boxed up and you're hesitating and you're thinking this is really bad. Um, I might say it's just a cautionary tale to maybe reach out to them one more time and see if they can kind of console you in a way of your concerns. Uh, I know that sounds silly to say it that way, but it's important, right? You know, like if you have a concern, maybe just be upfront with them. Like, Hey man, I'm about to ship this out and no offense, you asking me three times this one question has made me really nervous. Maybe see what they're going to say. Maybe that may be a course action. I've never had to do that. But for for that point of view, what I would say is if you're feeling bad about it, don't do it. And like I said, just refund their money immediately. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to be on the other end of that. But also, like I said, it's, you know, you didn't ask me that. If, they, if the question was, hey, Phil, what do you do when somebody refuses to sell you something? I'd say move on because it probably wasn't going to be a good experience. All right. Front level midnight. What's up, buddy? He says, I got a new push in arm for my Floyd Rose. Cannot get the tiny nut screw on the back inside of the trim cavity that goes around the base. Any suggestions? Sure. You're trying to, you're trying to turn it up there and there's just no way to get room in there. Right. Uh, Hmm. I, unfortunately, my answer sucks because I have a very uh, extended socket that I found over time. You know, when you find a tool that works, you just like, you hold on that like <laughs> forever that will let me get in there. Before that, I would actually use needle nose pliers and just go in there and 
grab a corner very delicately and just push on it and push on it until it's very awkward to get in there. What you're supposed to do, this is why you're probably having the problem. What we're supposed to do is take the Floyd out of the guitar. And if you can't get it done, you got to do it right. <laughs> you should be doing it right from the get, get go. But hey, you know, everybody tries the easiest way first. Uh, so in this case, if you cannot do it, you're going to have to actually go through the trouble of taking the Floyd Rose out of the guitar. That's what I would recommend. Um, what I will tell you is that no, 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 nothing you do is worth chipping that guitar, doing anything, damaging it in any way. So I'm just telling you, you know, sometimes the right way takes a little extra time and it's a little annoying, but man, it pays dividends because when you chip that guitar or you do something to that, that bridge, it's going to suck. Seth says, I got three items on my gear wish list. What would you start with? Oh, this is cool. I get to spend your money. Uh, the SV20, I had that amp. The AC15, I had that amp <laughs> within the last year or two. Uh, Les Paul Standard 60s current rig, I am, uh, okay. So is it, oh, a Strat into a Princeton Reverb. So the you have a Les Paul Standard 60s current rig. Uh, you're not going to like my answer because I can't, I can't not tell you the right answer for me. I wouldn't get either one of those amps. I'd buy the Freeman Dirty Shirley. That's where I ended up. I had both those amps. AC15 is a different animal. The Dirty Shirley does not get the AC Vox sound. It just doesn't. The SV20, I got rid of that. Uh, I use now, in fact, here's what I do. I use the uh, Pedal Pal into my Friedman. And I'm, I'm, that's my Marshall. And then when I want the better than Marshall, Marshall, better is a bad word, right? Because <laughs> I shouldn't say better. Different than Marshall, Marshall, I do the Dirty Shirley the way it, the way it is. Um, and so, you know, in fact, here's what sucks. In the way I did this, it's not even the Dirty Shirley. I actually can take you back even deeper into this mess. I started with the right amp and didn't stop. I had the right amp from the get-go was the Runt 20. And then really I had the, J- JG, the JJ20, which is the Jerry Contrell uh, amp. Um, that was even, because the Jerry Contrell amp is the Runt. They're the same amp, just the Jerry Contrell has more gain. S- same clean, same amp. Just one has more gain. Uh, and it looks cooler. I think it looks cooler. So I had the run. Happy. I get rid of the run. I get the JJ. Even happier. <laughs> and then I go, oh, it's not a real Marshall. And I get the Marshalls and uh, totally unhappy. Uh, I, I prefer the, uh, look, the problem with the, the SVT20 or SV20, the problem with the, I told you, the problem with the Marshall 20 watt series amps is, even at five watts, is that it, for me, on their own, without using an attenuator, without using the aux or two notes or any of this stuff, on their own, you cannot play them in rooms, uh, small rooms, bedrooms and stuff as a practice amp. Uh, I couldn't. Uh, they were just too loud. Uh, and same with the AC-15. I had an AC-15, the same thing. It was just, man, it's just not a... Uh, they can do clean. You can run pedals through them. But to get the actual amps tones... But if I'm going to run pedals to the amp, then, you know... I don't need them to do that. <laughs> I can run. You got a Princeton reverb, right? You can pedal in front of that. So I would consider those amps, the, the Freeman's, uh, price wise, they're in that range of what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. AC 15 is not, I bought the AC 15. I think I paid 500 or $600 used, probably $600 used. I think it's like eight now new or something like that. SVT 20 is more like 1300. So, I mean, the Freeman's are a little pricey for what they are, but man, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. I really like those amps. 
And everybody likes those amps. You know how I know? Because I've been making videos for years now and putting all kinds of amps in videos. And overwhelmingly, when I switch to certain amps, I can see the uptick in the comments enjoying the tones. Because uh, given that I've recorded everything the same way, I've done everything kind of the same way, you can just see that certain amps not only sound more, I don't say more pleasing, but more, you know, people like them more, but also they tend to come across better in the videos and people tend to, to gravitate towards them. Uh, Drew did a super chat for no reason. And then Drew did a super, another super chat. So I'm, I'm assuming these are the same, connect the same. He says, uh, you are a community builder. Thank you for that. Got me through many a tough time. I want a book of philisms with the pronunciation guide. Path, Piso, uh, Godin, etc. Yes. You know, it's funny about that is I remember when I did the video, how do you say their name company videos? And, and then um, it was funny. I wanted to do that as a whole series. And the thing that I learned from that was that even though the, the official company said, this is how you say our name. Uh, there was, if you, to this day, if you look at that video, there's people disagreeing with how you say those names. <laughs> That's why I learned you can never, you can never make anybody happy. Not everybody. You can't make anybody happy <laughs> except for, except for you, Drew, because you, you're happy. I appreciate that. And I'm glad to hear, by the way, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you got through a tough time uh, with the show. It's funny to me, never, uh, never occurred to me again in a million years that people would be watching this weekly as some kind of communal experience. You know, at first it was like, oh, they have questions and this is the most efficient way to talk to everybody. And then it just became this thing. And then, like I said, I got it last. So, you know, I enjoyed, I enjoy the the live show now. I can't even say at the beginning, I enjoyed it. I was just doing it. And then towards the beginning, I, w- I was just, again, effectively doing it. At some point it became this thing where I love it as much as you guys do. Um, or more so. Uh, Litvay did a super chat with a guy with glasses. It looks like me. He's got my hair cut. <laughs> How are we doing? We got a lot of these. Okay, we're still going. Chad says, uh, kind of recording question, but what mic do you use to mic your guitar cabinet? And do you use two mics on the cab? If so, what mic combination do you prefer when using two? Sure. Now, what I have to tell you is I make YouTube content, so I record in that framework, which is different in my opinion, which is like I said, I've said this before. It's different to, to me than recording for like music. Because I'm not trying to, in music, sometimes they're trying to capture the actual sound of the amp or the room or the thing. But a lot of times in music, they're trying to capture a beautiful sound or the best sound. So um, I use, I I always tell you guys, I use an SM57 because I do a lot. And sometimes I have the Sennheiser 609, E609. I think it's the least expensive one of the two. So I think there's a 906 and the 609. Uh, And then I have a ribbon mic, something 121. Again, I'm not really into the recording and mics, right, and stuff. So I have all the mics that I have accumulated because these are the mics to have. I've experimented with all kinds of mics, and really, what I've learned is is exactly this. I've learned if you learn if you watch the last, I'd say, 20 videos that I've done, the audio. A lot of people are like, "Oh, the audio has really improved." Um, it's the way I capture the audio has changed a little bit, which is I have the amp that I'm using in a different room and I mic the room and the amp. So they're both mic'd and they're both going to separate tracks. And what I'm doing when I, I used to just try to capture the room as a sound. Okay. And this is why I was saying, maybe I'll, I'm going to do the video on the aux and all that stuff and talk about this. So while that's all happening, I actually have another line of the guitar going into either uh, like a two notes product or an aux, which I've been using the aux more and more. Uh, Ox product, and that's also being recorded. But here's why. 
you don't get that recording. You guys never get the direct uh, simulated recording. Um, what that is to me is I almost like I, I, I don't know recording, so I'm going to say a scratch track. I don't know. It's actually my reference. So what I do is I go in the room and I try to capture the sound of the product that I'm reviewing. And once I think I nailed it, I actually go in and I use the aux or like I said, the two notes, but like the aux and the app. And I recreate the sound as close to possible as I can. And that's what I'm here, what I'm hearing in the room. Uh, so it's been a little different, different because back in the day, I'd be like, oh, in the room, it sounds like this. And you see me saying that more and more. And now I don't really talk about how it sounds in the room because it's actually happening in another room. You're hearing exactly what it sounds like, but I'm hearing the recreation in the room. So that's the way I'm doing that stuff. And again, it's just a mission. I'm trying, my goal is to get you closer and closer to the correct expectation of the amp. And again, you know, it's my playing style. It's my guitars. It's my, this, it's my cabinets. It's this. I mean, it's, I'm not trying to say it's, this is what the product sounds like. I'm not trying to get, tell you what the product sounds like. I'm trying to give you an expectation of how good the product sounds. Generally speaking, is it a little fizzy? Is it not fizzy? You know what I mean? Um, so much stuff now, when I watch reviewers now have been so polished and perfected, um, to where I'll hear the product and I can't identify the product and I own it. I'm like, I'm listening to the recording. And I'm like, and I'm not talking about when they bury it in a mix, put it in a mix of stuff. That happens. I'm talking about when they're like, literally, check, this is the chord. And they hit it. And I'm like, that never sounds like that. <laughs> like, ever. I don't care how much better they are, the guitar player than me, or what they have. Or they have better recording gear. That that doesn't, better recording gear shouldn't be the thing that you're listening to, right? Let me give you a great way to kind of see this the way I see it. Just because you, t if you have a crappy amp and amazing recording gear and it sounds amazing, that's great if you're making an album, but it's horrible when you're trying to give everybody an expectation of what they're about to purchase. F for instance, would be, wouldn't it be sad if you buy a $200 amp, get home and it sounds like crappy. And then imagine if you were to talk to the person that made that video and say, Hey man, my amp just sounds horrible. And they're like, Oh, well, all you got to do to get it good is buy $7,000 in recording gear and it will sound just like it did in my video. And you're going to be like, Great. I bought it because it was 200 bucks. That's in my budget. I didn't have $7,200 to make it sound good. So, um, and, and that's the thing. So, uh, that's how I do it. Two mics now. I always mic the room and they are separate tracks and I am blending them in the recordings now, which I used to not used to get the raw, just the upfront mic on the, on the product. And again, I learned that the room really conveys a lot of the message of the product sometimes. So I've, I've balanced it. And then, like I said, when I'm editing, um, I, I go, I try to go, okay, this is exactly what it was like. You know what I mean? When I was there, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. And it seems to be working. Like I said, um, I pay attention to everything you guys say. So when I'm re reading the comments stuff, I kind of take the notes from that cues from that. Um, and you know, there, there you go. So, okay. Jim says, for those who say Sweetwater doesn't give a discount, realize not all items can be discounted due to margins. Keep me uh, rock and fill. That's of course, that's true, right? Of course, if they're back ordered and they don't have it, you're not going to get a deal uh, or not likely to get a deal. Um, you know what I mean? At all. But I mean, it's, you know, like I said, you, you can always try. That's the whole point. Asking is not a problem. Asking for a discount, asking for a comp, uh, you know competitive uh, price. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's what I want to convey to you guys. And of course, if they can't do it, 
then that's when you make your decision. Okay. You either believe that they can't do it because sometimes they could just say that, <laughs> right? And then sometimes it could be legitimate. And how you can probably tell the best way is look on their competitors. And if you can find the better price, well, then the odds are, you know, that they weren't being as 100% truthful with you. Um, but if, uh, if you can't find another deal somewhere else, then you stick with them. Uh, if that's all it matters to you, sometimes the deal is what matters and sometimes the service is what matters. I mean, Sweetwater really builds their system off service. That's what they're angling for, which is why so many people get so upset with them, which is what I've told them and what I see from you guys. I've never seen any comments about some of the other retailers. Like I've seen comments about Sweetwater being so offended by the service you got. It's almost like expected that most places have average service, right? So a lot of the discussions are about the discounts and the actual defectiveness of the product. What I mean by that is, you know, sometimes I hear you guys rant about Sweetwater and it's the rant is, is not about the product being defective or the deal or the shipping. It's about something as minor as, again, the service, the way you were treated uh, and it's because you, you can tell they care about their service. So when they're not acting the way they should, it's, you feel it's almost personal. I think, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that feeling. Um, I think it makes sense. That's why they, they, that's their system. They want to be the service company online. Uh, Mike Buchanan says, Hey, Phil, love my new Kiesel. Had it for two months on your suggestion. Thank you. I appreciate it. I got two Kiesels behind me. I got one right there. And then my Theos, which is right somewhere there, right there. I'm pointing to a Theos in a and a single cup bevel. Uh, thanks for the heads up. It's really well built guitar. Pick it up and play still in tune. Yeah. Fantastic guitars. I've, you know, like I said, you hear bad things about every guitar company, hear good things about every guitar company. Um, I I've had very good experiences with Kiesel and, uh, and so, you know, when you guys have told me you had good or bad experiences, I've shared every time to them when I have their ear, I share with, you know, <laughs> share with them what, what you guys say. And, uh, I don't know. I think they take it to, to, to heart. It seems like they're trying to improve. They see, obviously their new website is again, it's suggestions from viewers and customers saying, Hey, you need a better website. The new websites uh, is they're trying to improve it. Um, but I also say, like I said, there's always a bias to everything. And I, like I said, I always like to disclose my bias. My main bias with Kiesel, the reason I like that, what lends me to like them is that they make some of the most affordable American made custom guitars. If not the most affordable American made custom guitar, the most affordable, uh, USA made or American made, uh, semi custom, uh, guitar. That's where, where I go with that. And I've said this before, and I really believe this. And again, uh, I just want to tell you this, it's from the heart. I believe that if companies like them, if they don't succeed, there's no shot for anyone because everything will either be seriously, seriously crazy price boutique that, that the majority of us can't afford or even think about, uh, and, or it'll be affordable import stuff, which is fine. That's fine too. Behind me is both those things. I mean, behind me next to me is, is a Squire affinity. It's a great guitar and it's affordable and it's an import next to me. Next to that is this semi-custom Kiesel made in the USA guitar. And I like both of them and I can appreciate both of them, but I deep down do not want to see, uh, not only all the manufacturers leave my country, I mean, nobody wants to see that. I don't care what country you're in. No one wants to see the fact that you don't make anything anymore. And but the second thing I don't want to see is any kind of remnants of affordable manufacturing in my country, uh, which is important to me that I can, 
I can even relately afford these guitars. Uh, Kiesel makes guitars in the USA. They do not import guitars and they have guitars in the thousand dollar range. In other words, a thousand, you can say a thousand something instead of saying 2000 or 3000 or 4,000 something, you can say a thousand something, $1,800, $1,500. And, uh, and a perfect example, the guitar that they're building for me and the guitar that they're going to, we're going to make available to you guys again, not as a signature model, just available with the option packs is a guitar that Fender would also do uh, price wise, our you know type of guitar because uh, it's based on my Fender custom shop guitar. But the price point from Fender would have to be almost six to seven thousand dollars is what it looks like it would have to be if we spec'd it out the same way. And Kiesel is going to be a fraction of that you could buy three Kiesels for the same price. Again, Kiesel is not Fender. It's not going to have to resell Fender. It does, and I'm still like I said, I love my Fenders, but. I've said there's goods and bads of everybody. I just, like I said, that's what I like about them. So that's when I talk about them. That's what it is I like. Wu-Tech says, wait a minute. (laughs) This is my real name. That is your real name. I understand what you're saying. Your name looks like everybody else's crazy names, (laughs) but your name is a real name. I get what you're saying. Ivan is prestige boy says FX loop on the Mark V 35. So it's the Mark 535 makes a pop when the board is plugged in. You mean when you're plugging in? Well, I'll keep going. Audio difference in tone. Normal guitars go to half uh, in hard case, unplayed for a while. Normal. Um, I I got to make sure I understand the question and the pop sound. So you saying a pop when it when it's plugged in? When it gets plugged in, it makes a pop. That sounds right. You shouldn't have the amp on. <laughs> Uh, you should put it in standby when you plug in your send returns. Um, because not cause you can, I don't think you'll damage the amp. Um, but you can technically maybe damage the speaker. It's one of those things that we worry about when we hear a pop sound, it's like that thump could, could do something to the speaker in the coil. So that's something to be aware of, but the pop sound itself wouldn't concern me. That's obviously you're putting signal. You're, you're jumping in the chain. It's no different than plugging the front of the amp or in, in some cases it could be worse. So nothing wrong there. Um, what I will tell you about Mesa boogies and my experience in pedals is, is that Mesa boogies and pedals, um, they have a difficult relationship, <laughs> whether they're the effects loop or the front end. Um, as a person who loves boss pedals and a person who loves Mesa Boogies, those two things do not want to play nice together. Sometimes you can put a boss pedal in front of your Mesa or in the effects loop and you just get this horrible hissing white noise sound. So that could be the case many times over. Uh, so, uh, no, it's, it's uh, none of your problems sound like it's unique to that specific amp to me if that helps and i think that's where what you're getting at is there anything wrong with your one amp uh, no everything i've heard you say is an issue i would experience with my mark 525 or my other mesas the drunken scoundrel says ryan at 60 cycle hum recommended a channel for amp repair mods fazio electric yeah she's awesome uh she's a great teacher uh, after one video, I went from not understanding crap about electronics to wanting to build amps. Uh, yeah, I've seen her channel. She's very, very good. Um, I don't watch a whole lot of amp channels because I have no interest in working on amps. Um, uh, and, and I've been very, oh, I need to knock on wood, very lucky. I've had very few amp repairs in my life. Like I said, that Line 6 story I started the show with, that was one of maybe two or three amp repairs I've ever had in my entire life. So I really don't have a whole lot of problem with amps and I really don't buy a lot of old amps and that's kind of where you're going to get a lot of problems. But uh, yeah, Senior Channel, it's a very cool channel if you haven't seen it. Uh, Fazio, 
I, I hope I'm saying the name right. I think I am. Fazio Electric. Um, she's got a she's a builder. I think she's in California. She fixes amplifiers in California. Very clear, very edited and polished and put together perfectly. Polished meaning not like it's all, you know, sweet camera positions and beautiful lighting. I mean, polished in the idea, like you said, it's getting to the point. We don't have to watch her walk, you know, across the room to get a screwdriver and come back to the amp. She's getting to the effect of, as you guys know, uh, my attention span for videos like that stuff is very short. I really need somebody to get right to the, what they're showing me. Talk, we could talk all day. I could watch all kinds of talking all day. But showing me something, I really want to get to the what you're showing me. Shut up, let's talk. Said, did a Yamaha shipment sink in the ocean? Question mark. My my local Sam Ash employees told my buddy that was the reason his amp repair being late. BS. I have heard that same story, and I don't know the answer. I haven't heard anything, you know, in my pipelines of communication. Um, it's one of those things like in this world, of course, that could be a possibility sinks in the ocean. It, um, what I will tell you is how many times I hear what I hear all the time and I've been hearing it forever. And now it's worse during COVID is, Oh, the factory caught on fire. Everybody's factory catches on fire, which is actually true, but not everyone, but a lot. Um, everybody's waiting for parts. I don't like these answers. You have to tolerate the answers that you have to tolerate. I don't like them just like you, but it's hard to argue with them. Every, everybody's waiting for parts. I'm literally dead in the water for pickups, so you know. I, I, uh, my, goal, <laughs> my goal was to sh- ship a certain amount of pickups uh, before the end of the year, and I've already shipped that many pickups. Uh, so I hit the goal. That's great, right? So I try to order enough to, to do, to uh, not double the goal, but do the next batch of pickups. It's not not looking good. I'm waiting for parts right now. So uh, that's why if you go to the website, it says out of stock. Some of you guys have been saying, hey, it's still saying out of stock. I don't do pre-orders. If it says it's in stock, they're in stock. If they're not in stock, you're not allowed to order it. Uh, I just don't need, with my world of, of you know, 50 plates spinning on sticks, I don't need uh, you going, hey, did you get my pickups that I pre-ordered done? I don't want pre-order problems. So when I make it, I put it on the website. And, and uh, I'm working on that. But right now, um, I could sell, I don't know if I could sell twice as many pickups as I've been selling. I could definitely sell more. But, you know, again, it's parts. Um, it, it's Parts is a problem. Shut up, let's talk. It, it is a physical problem everybody is physically dealing with right now. Um, especially if you want to be consistent. And that's one of the things you have to think about too. There's, there's, it's the, there's one of the evils that you might have to pick. There's, I don't want to wait for my parts, but also I don't want them to get substandard parts. You know, um, there's not a, there's not a, it's not a supplier that I've talked to that hasn't suggested to me a substandard, in my opinion, a substandard part as a, as a, as a resolution to my problem. Uh, you know, I, I like to use the fiber bobbins, you know, that's just the way I like to do things. And they were like, we're out, we can send you plastic ones. I'm like, I don't want the plastic ones. I want the fiber bobbins for the pickups I I make for the ones, you know, the specific single coils I do. And they're like, okay. And then same thing. Like, well, we don't have this, but we can get you those. And then I'd rather just be out of stock, but I have that luxury. I, I I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to make it come off, uh, harsh or, or, you know, uh, you know, I guess harsh is enough word. <laughs> I don't want it to come across harsh for anyone out there. I, I literally can go, okay, well, if I don't ship this week, I have other things, you know, my, I have multi streams of income coming from different angles. So, you know, as long as something's still moving, I'm doing okay. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I've been offered so many, uh, different parts than what I normally use. 
So to answer your question, I don't know if it's true, but uh, I don't think it'd be hard to investigate to figure out if you wanted to through some Google searching. Um, but I would imagine the best thing, I, the play, if I was going to investigate this, the first thing I would do, if I was something I cared about, call Yamaha. You're saying, Sam Ash is saying that to you. Well, then call Yamaha. The odds of you finding a random Yamaha employee at Yamaha willing to lie to you and be consistent with the lie of perpetrating this ocean <laughs> fiasco, not likely. My guess is they'd be like, no, not that I've heard of or I can find out. So find out. Swizz871 says, Phil, are pickups, are pickups that are essential, a hot-rodded version of a PAF pickup with little less mid-range and a little bit more output, versatile, question mark, and is that mid-range needed in a live band setting. So the question that he's getting at or they're getting at is are pickups that are essentially a hot rotted version of PAF, which is kind of like what I make. I make one. So this is a great question for me. So it says with a little less mid range. Ah, see mine has more mid range, but okay. So it's interesting, interesting. Uh, and, and a little bit more output. Is it versatile? Um, no. And, and so here's where this is like a self-serving answer, and I don't want to come across this way, but this is my problem with the PAF pickup when you hot rod it. The PAF pickup to me is sweet sounding. I know it's a horrible way to use a a, a you know a taste <laughs> term for your, your ears, but it is sweet. It's like everything feels very just smooth and beautiful and sweet. And I love it, even though it's a little scooped. In other words, the mids are just a little bit out of it, but that's why they were great in amps like Marshall's, which were all in the mids. And they kind of, you know, they just kind of came together and they sounded just really, really, they just married really well. Um, the problem with a lot of PAF style pickups is once you kind of try to, you know, give them a little bit more punch, you know, right. A little more output so that they could push the amp a little bit harder and get more gain. They actually continue the sweep even more so. So you get less mids. And the problem with that is, is even though it still has a sweet tone, like you said, it gets a little buried in the mix between all those, uh, you know, symbols in the high range and the bass player in the low range, you know, you're just, you're just not in the spot you need to be in. Um, so it's tough. So that's why a lot of manufacturers over the years and pickup builders have tried to make these pickups that have these more mid-tones. And this is where it gets difficult, right? It's a difficult thing with pickups. The most difficult thing about pickups in my experience that I've, uh, that I've dealt with over the years is that to find the pickup that works in the mix and is also pleasing on its own is the trick. A lot of times, some of the pickups that I've heard when playing in a band environment, like the drummer starts going, the bass player goes, and I hit a chord and I go, man, it's like angels singing in here. That in a room, when I go listen to this guitar and I hit the chord and it's just me and my friend, he's like, ugh, whoa, what's that? And you're like, oh, well, now picture it with a cool bass and some drums, <laughs> right? Because it's just, it's just too, uh, too much mid punch. The mids can get really harsh and they actually fatigue my ears. Uh, I like mids. Mids are important, but they actually will, mids will kind of grind at you like a chainsaw, like just running and running and running and it fatigues my ears. So to me, it's like this perfect world of how do you get this mid smooth, you know, this mids in there and still keep it smooth. Um, and uh, so the, to get to your main part of your question is, is the mid range needed in the band? It's absolutely needed in the band. That, that we know. Now, a lot of people are going to argue, like, it doesn't matter. You can adjust all those on the amps and stuff. You can. I mean, obviously like that. Part of the problem, part of the problem now is there's, there's a, and this is a great way to end the show. Part of the problem now is that there's an answer and a, a question and an answer that is confusing only in its context. In other words, what I mean by that is it used to be decades ago 
that every component really mattered because every component was aiding in the limitation of another component. Here's what I mean by that. Your Marshall only got so much crunch, right? You crank all those knobs at 10 and you only got so much crunch. To get more, you needed a super distortion from DiMarzio, something that, something that had more kick. And that got the amp a little bit more. And then maybe the two screamer and a little bit more. And everything was like, and those components became this like perfect marriage of like, okay, if you had all these, you are set. And those were important. And so those built this whole lineage of like, okay, well, all these things are important. But over time, companies like Mesa Boogie and Saldano and Saldano, I don't want to say I'm saying that way, Saldano and uh, Bogner and uh, we could go on for you know days, all the amp companies, right? Um, they start developing products that essentially take care of that issue all in one thing. They don't, you don't need a super distortion to get a Mesa Boogie to overdrive. You don't need a tube screamer to get the angle to distort. <laughs> you know what I mean? These aren't as important. And so when somebody says, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. I can use any pickup and get a good tone. Well, yeah. In fact, some amps are by design there to be the prominent sound and get away with what they're going to do. In other words, uh, the distortion, uh, the, the quest to get distortion has been solved. Like I, you don't see a whole lot of questions on the channel like this, like, Hey Phil, how do you get distortion? Think about this. If we had YouTube in 1977, that would be a question. That would be one of the things we'd be talking about today. Hey Phil, how do you get distortion? And I'd be like, Oh man, what you gotta get is one of these blah, blah, blah pedals. Just juice that amp right up. Right. Right. And you get distortion, but now we know how to get distortion. There's like 7,000 things that produce distortion. So, um, so the same thing goes for this question. You know, do you have to have mids in the band? You do. Do you have to have a pickup that has more mids? No, no, no. You, unless of course you have an amp that's limited and you limited, limited, <laughs> limit, limited, uh, and, and you know, the pickup's going to help that again, all these products can aid each other. But again, if you use different products, you don't need any of these things. And that's why I said, there's two answers to this. Do I think you need a super distortion to push a Marshall over? Yes. Do you need a super distortion to push a Mesa over? No. So the question is, if you said, Hey, Phil, I have a Marshall. Do I, should I get a hot pickup to get more gain? Y yes. Or a boost. If you said, Hey, Phil, I need more distortion on my angle. I'd be like, I don't know how to help you. Cause that's a lot of distortion. <laughs> uh, so I hope that kind of, kind of helps. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, there you go. I hope that I kind of, kind of goes in. We went long today. This is the longest show I think we've ever done. So on that note, we're going to cut it. <laughs> this is it. Um, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. There was a, quite a few of you today. It was great questions. I had a good time. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Like I said, my weekend's going to be interesting because you know, like I said, my wife's on crutches and, uh, that's uh so we're definitely not going for a walk <laughs> on that note i will see you guys next friday at three o'clock thank you everyone who super chatted everyone who uh supports the channel everyone who asked a question everyone who posted a comment thank the moderators for moderating this crazy mess every week uh they are great uh like i said uh for taking care of this they get the brunt of all the crazy comments and uh, i appreciate them doing that and on that note i'm gonna let you guys go as soon as I figure out where the new button moved to. All right. See you guys next week. Thank you. And know your gear.